This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, before we start, I want to mention from last week very quickly. Last week in Parshat Bahar Bechukosa, I think there was some confusion, and I think some of the questions reflected that. I just want to make sure everybody understands. Binyamin was never put in Cherem. Binyamin, Shevet Binyamin was never put in Cherem. It was the people afterward, right, that went ahead and made the Cherem on Yavesh Gilad for not coming. But Binyamin was never put in Cherem. That's how the 600 people from Binyamin were able to survive afterward. They were never in Cherem. So I just want to make sure people are clear about that. I think maybe I wasn't clear enough or people had that question afterward. Okay. Parsh Bamidbar, everyone, 5783. Parak Bey's Pasik Gimel. Parak Bey's Pasik Gimel. Now, I'm really going to be going into the Degolim of the four major degels. And what I mean by that is, is that we know that every Shevet had a flag. And part of that is Machlokis, what exactly was on each one of their flags. And that's why you see different things in different shoals. You'll see different things on different places. The Rabbeinu Bahai has an opinion. There's something in the Shachal Torah. The Bamid Rabbah has something on here on what was on the degel itself. There's a bunch of different opinions. Some of them are the same. Some of them are a little bit different. Nonetheless, what we're going to concentrate over here is what was on the degel of, let's say, Yehudi Yisachar Zvulin, or Ruven Shimon Gud, or Ephraim Binyamin and Menashe, Ephraim Menashe and Binyamin, or Don Naftali and Usher. What was on their specific flag that they had for their degel itself? So now, the Pasuk says, Vachonim Kedma Mizracha, those who camped, this is a weird thing, Kedma Mizracha, east to the east. Degel Machni Yehuda Tzivosam was the Degel of Machni Yehuda according to their camps, according to their divisions. The Nasi of Bnei Yehuda Nachshon Bnei Minadav. The Nasi for Bnei Yehuda was Nachshon Ben Aminadav. We are not going to speak about Nachshon Ben Aminadav this year. I want to save that for its own shear, and maybe even next year I'll be doing on who Nachshon Ben Aminadav was. But for right now, the Tzorah more starts off this parsha, and he says that the inyan of these degalim, the concept of these degalim, is something very, very deep and very difficult to understand. The people saw Malachim in Harsinai, says the Medrash. They desired what they had. The Malachim were encamped in different degalim. They had their own flags representing what they were. They, they, what they were. It seemed like each one of them had a purpose, and B'nai Yisrael wanted the same. They also wanted a purpose. They also wanted to show something, and therefore the Torah felt the need to show us exactly what they looked like and how they traveled. Each direction had a purpose. Each flag had a purpose. Each color and picture had a purpose. And even the letters on each flag, which we'll see, all represented something special. They were all there. This should remind us of Yechezkel's vision of the Kisei HaKavod and the very many similarities between the four Malachim that are on the four sides of the Kisei HaKavod, the Chayos HaKodesh that had those four faces on them and what happens over here. It should open up your minds to the secrets of the Torah. It should allow you to understand that there's something way deeper going on here and the awesome things that could be found within it. Look, I'm not going to be able to go really deep down into this. We're not going to be able to do something like that, but at least we're going to get a basic idea of what was happening over here. Now, again, we already mentioned there were flags for each one and he goes on and he says at the end, who knows the secrets that are really hinted to over here by these words, even when they seem to be repetitive and who knows what we'll find when we learn the holy words of the Rishonim here. That's how the Torah more puts it regularly. So Orachayim Akadosh, he says that the reason why this Pusik starts with a vav, even though Yehuda was the first, it should have just been hachonim kedma. They're the first ones. It shouldn't be vehachonim kedma. He gives a very interesting reason. He says, because we already mentioned that they camped near the Mishkan. 
And then right after this Pasuk is saying, the people that camped around the Mishkan, it's almost like, don't think that they didn't have Shaykhs to the Mishkan themselves. No, and the other camps that weren't close, close to the Mishkan, the Levium were close to the Mishkan, these people were forgotten. Nonetheless, they considered themselves close enough to the Mishkan and they had something to do with it, and that's what the Vav represents. Don't think that they came on their own, they did their own thing. No, they were connected to everything that we said beforehand. Taima de then explains Kedma and Mizracha. Both of them mean, mean east. Kedem is the east. Mizrach is the east. And he says the reason why is because they only used this, Yehuda was only first, when they traveled to the east. This is a major machlokis between Tanoim and how they traveled throughout the Midbor. Did they travel like this? With Yehuda, right? Don is on top. Don is to the north. Yehuda's over there. And Ephraim's degel's over here. And Reuven's degel is down here. Did they travel like that? Like Yehuda went that way. And then, the, you know, Reuven went. And then the Mishkan went. And then Ephraim went. And then Don went. Is that how they went? Did they go in a line? Right? One after the other? So according to Rukhain Kanievsky, when they traveled to the east, then Yehuda went to the east. That is what they did, and that is how they went from one place to the other. If they went to the north, then it was a different order, and Yehuda wouldn't have been toward the east starting in that direction. The order would have been changed. It would have gone in a different direction altogether. Either way, regardless, only when they were going Kedma to the east was Yehuda Mizracha. That's how Rav Chaim Kenyatsky says it, and that's, again, a subject for another year, which I do eventually want to get to. I just don't think there's that much on it. The Chizkuni comes along and says, why was Yehuda first? And we're going to go through all four of the Gullim. Why was Yehuda first? Why did he deserve to be first? Because he's the king. That's the way it should be, right? We honor the king above. We honor kings below. The king always goes first. And therefore, Yehuda gets to go first. The Rush says, we constantly find Yehuda being go- going first. Such as when the Nisim brought Korbanos in Parshish Naso in next week's Parsha, right? When they go out to war in the beginning and the end of Shoftim. Yehuda Ya'aleh. Yehuda is the first one to go up in the beginning of Shoftim. Yehuda is the first one to go up at the end of Shoftim. Navi Shoftim. Not in the Parsha Shoftim itself. And when Mashiach comes at the end of days, Nachum says in Parak Bays that Yehuda will be first. Yehuda will be the first Shevet that's out there. That's the idea. And clearly it's part of this Shevet's mission in life to be the ones that are Kedem, to be the ones that are going to be first at all times. Or Victor Miller says Yehuda may have been first at the time because he was the most numerous. Taking Shevet Dun out of the equation, although even with Shevet Dun, Shevet Dun I think was 62,700. I believe Yehuda was 74,500. I might be corrected. I, I don't remember exactly. But I believe Yehuda is the longest one, the biggest one. So he deserved the leadership. He was the biggest. He was the largest out of all of them. This is no accident. And this is what Victor Miller wants everyone to know. It's not that Yehuda was the largest and therefore he's the king and therefore he went first. This is not an accident. This is through Hashkacha. This is through Hashkacha practice that it has to be this way. Because Yehuda was the one who was willing to lead against Sofnas Paneach when they went against Yosef. He's the one who put his life in Olam Haba on the line with his father Yaakov that I will take back Binyamin and you can trust me that I will bring Binyamin and bring him back to your feet. He's the one who's willing to fight. Vayigash love Yehuda. Vayomer Biadoni. He's the one that gets up and fights. He's the one that does it. Reuven's older. Shimon's older. Levi's older. And yet Yehuda's the person who gets up every single time. Says Rabbi Victor Miller, this is a leadership quality that we've seen in Yehuda from the beginning. And therefore, that's something that was incorporated into their shavits. I, I don't know what the right 
nomenclature. I think that's the, the word. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but something that they do, that's who they are. They're Waltenschlung. What, what's that word again? Well, yeah, right. That, that, this is who they are. This is exactly what they're supposed to be. And maybe Yosef was chosen as a leader because of his concern for his brother's behavior, even though obviously he didn't understand their motives and he did it in the wrong way. But Yosef obviously was a leader. Yehuda is the one that took over everything because he's the one that Mamish cared for everyone else out there. We see this by Moshe Rabbeinu as well. Moshe Rabbeinu became the leader because he's the one who cared for every sheep. He's the one who cared about the Jew that was getting beaten up. He's the one who looked out for other people and therefore we see that type of leader, that type of person out there. Now, that's Yehuda, why he is first. The Shach says that Yisachar and Zvulin are put with Yehuda because in Ein Kemach Ein Torah. Now, you might think to yourself, Imen Kemach Ein Torah is why Zvulin's put with Yisachar because Zvulin paid for Yisachar. But the truth is, a king is there to allow his subjects to do things that he himself cannot do. David Amel had no choice to learn during the day. He had work to do. He was a king. He was a melech. He had to deal with things all day long. His learning happened from Chatzos midnight up until morning. That is what he did. He spent all of his time learning because he knew during the day he wasn't going to be able to do it. So a king has to make sure that he's there for the people so that everybody else can do what they need to do. I want to say, Imen Kemachin Torah, is that even Zvulin, who Mamish went to work, but he went to work to support Torah learning, is considered like Torah. Imen Kemach, if you don't have the king, ain't Torah. You can't have a Yisachar Zvulin relationship. You always need a Yehuda to be in charge. They all provided Torah in their own ways. Dovid Melech in his way, Yehuda in their way, Yisachar in their way, and Zvulin in their way. They all were basing themselves on Torah itself. They belong with one another. They are the leaders of Klau Yisrael as a whole. The Barbanel then says that Shimon certainly Ruvain were not placed to subordinate subordinate to Yehuda because they were older brothers. That's why Yehuda is with Yisachar and Zvulin who were the younger brothers of Yehuda. It would seem bad for it to be Yehuda and Ruvain and Shimon. They may be the oldest Ruvain, Shimon and Yehuda. Levi's not there, remember. They're inside near the Mishkan. But they may be the oldest, right? But it's not right for Yehuda to be the leader over Reuven and Shimon. So out of the kavod of Reuven and Shimon, they're in a separate degel. And Yehuda is only with people that are younger than him, Yisachar and Zvulin. That's how the Abarbanel says. On the other hand, it happens to be the Yisachar and Zvulin are the perfect people to put near a king. You always need the people who are the Chachamim as his Yoatzim, as his advisors, that's Yisachar, as well as the Parnassa guys, the economy leaders, the economic leaders, and that's Zvulin to be put together with the king. This is the perfect relationship of Yehuda the king with Yisachar and Zvulin, everything he needs to be able to go to, you know, to get everything there. Targum Yonasan says his flag was silk and comprised of three colors. Now, I'm not going to get into the three colors because this is a machlokis if you look at different versions of the Targum Yonas and at least the different versions that I saw. But the one that I saw said deep red, green, and off-white. The colors of the first three stones of the Choshen. But again, that's a big machlokis. What were the th- first three stones of the Choshen? Now, this is true even though the first three stones of the Choshen were not Yehuda Yisachar Zvulun. Those were not their first three stones. That was Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. 
Those are the first three stones on the Choshen. If you looked over there, the ruby, the odem, pitzita, and varekes was Ruvain, Shimon, and Lady. That was the word that was on there. Nonetheless, the first three stones of the Choshen were the colors of the flag of Yehudi, Yisachar, and Zvulun's flag, which is super interesting to think about. The words Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zvulun were on it. All those three words, Yisachar, which the, with the actual sin itself. And the middle of it, it says, Kuma Hashem, Get up, God. Scatter your enemies. Get rid of your hated ones from in front of you. Obviously, because Yehuda is the Ya'aled, the first to go to war. That makes a ton of sense. And the picture on it was a lion. Obviously, representing Yehuda. Yehuda's own flag of his own personal shavit was a lion itself. He's known as Gur Aryeh. All of that makes sense. Rabino Ephraim says they were in the east because the sun rises in the east. Yehuda is the leader that starts their travels. Now, Menachem Tzion, right, says that the combination of these three Shvatim actually teaches us how to live our lives as Jews. Sure, they're all good regarding the Malchus and everything. We all said that already. But it also shows us what we're supposed to do as Jews ourselves. With Malchus, we should know that we are a Goy Mamlechus Kohen in the Goy Kadosh. We are a Mamlechus. We are kings of the nations. Torah, because we're supposed to go according to his will in everything that God says. And Parnassah, that's Zvulun himself, Parnassah, working hard to fulfill our Tachlis in this world and making sure that's there. Now, he doesn't explain any of the other Shvatim and Achim He only explains these three. But I would assume that that line of reasoning applies to each Degel, that every one of them represents something. And finally, the Rabbeinu Bechaya says this Degel represents Gavriel, Azriel, and listen, certain Malachim, I have... I, I, just from my Rebbe, that we don't say their full names if it's not a name we give to kids. Gavriel we give to kids. Azriel we give to kids. Shami, which ends with the word kel, we don't give to kids. I'm not going to say those words, but those are the three Gavr- Malachim. They are in the camp of Gavriel with all of their Malachim itself. And the reason why is because Yehuda was the Gavra of the brothers. And therefore, Gavriel was with him. Now, I would have thought, by the way, if you would have asked me, I would have thought Michoel would go with Yehuda. He's the leader. He's the number one guy. Gabriel, I wouldn't have thought. But I get it. Yehuda's the warrior. Yehuda's the guy in charge. He's the one that leads the pack. He needs Gabriel on his side. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Now, that's all Yehuda. Every, any questions on Yehuda? Are we good with Yehuda? Okay. Ruven's Dego. Ruven's Dego was made of silk as well. The three colors were the second row of stones on the Choshen with the words Ruven, Shimon, and Gud on it. In the middle of it, it said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod. With the picture of a young deer, says the Targum Yonason. A young deer. Now, that wouldn't have been for Ruven, Shimon, or Gud. None of their personal flags had a deer on it. That would have been Naphtali's flag. He had a, an Ayola. But this is an Ayol. Katan. This would have been something like that. It should have been a bull, says the parish Yonasan, but Moshe Rabbeinu switched it to a deer so nobody would be reminded of their sin with the Egel Azov. A very interesting line, a very, very interesting thing. Now, Parisiosa says, we know the Shvatim said the line of Shema Yisrael when Yaakov Vino accused them of possibly Yesh Bachem Chet. Did any of you sin? And they said, Shema Yisrael, listen, Yaakov Avinu, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, to which Yaakov responded. What did he respond? That's in the Gemara Pesachim, I believe, Nunvav, right? And it says right there, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, along with, that's that. So I would assume that that means that they never did anything wrong. They proved him through this Pusik that they didn't do anything wrong. Ruvain wanted that line on his Degel. 
because he was the one who moved around his father's bed. He, and he wanted to show everyone that I didn't do anything wrong either. The Pusik says, I slept with my father's wife. I never did that. I moved around my father's bed impetuously, and for that I was punished. But I never did anything wrong, as the Gemara says in Shabbos, so that's why he wanted to let everyone know he did not have a chait. Perhaps that's the perfect pasuk for Shimon as well. Shimon also had his issues in the midbar, but the people who were alive at the time had not yet sinned, and maybe they wanted that word, those words. Now, however, the Rabbeinu Bechaya says that his flag was red and it had the dudayim on it, a picture of a human being. The dudayim. Does everybody know exactly what that's called? The dudayim are. Mandrakes. We had an Ashir a while ago, I think four years back, about what mandrakes are, right? And what they are exactly, well, whatever it is, we've spoken about in the past. And they help women give birth and become pregnant when they have a hard time, etc. The stone of Ruvain was ruby red. And if anybody's heard of the ruby gemach, they have a ruby gemach in many cities. Supposedly, rubies help women give birth easier. They have to give birth easier. I guess at the end of the day, if you have the ruby, it will say, well, that was easier than what would have been. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're like, if you would have had a ruby, it would have been easier. So it's hard to say otherwise. But it is a skula of the ruby itself, of Ruvain. So it makes sense that the dudayim, which helps a person give birth, would be connected to this idea as well. And that's the idea behind it. Behind it, It's something that is an amazing skula out there. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says that they were in the south, which is where the world gets its heat. I would assume the reason why everybody is because Eretz Yisrael and the main area that they were around then was right above the equator. The more south you went, the hotter it was. And I don't think they ever went past the equator. I just don't think it happened. There was the mountains of Ethiopia and the Nile River was flowing in the other direction. I don't think they went there very often. So I think they always thought of the south as being warm, even though as you go further down, obviously it isn't. The truth is, truth is, you should know, I think it's something like 98% of the world's population is above the equator. You know that? Something like that. It's a, it's a crazy number. Something like 98%, right? I, and aside from that, in Africa, I don't know how many people were there. Obviously, South America is further down and Australia, but I don't know how many people were in Africa at the time below the equator, right? At least that had civilizations, whatever it was, because it was inaccessible due to the mountains of Ethiopia, their inability to make boats that were running that well, except for Shlomo Melch's, you know, Anios, right? And the Sahara Desert, which precluded anyone from going anywhere further down, and the Nile River was running in the wrong direction. It's not that they couldn't. I just don't think they went very often. So I think that makes sense to me that the south was a perfect place to call the hot area right over there. These three Shvatim all had tempers. And they were all hot-headed, so to speak. Reuven is impetuousness, doing things without thinking, as uh, as Yaakovinu said himself. Shimon was a person, clay chamas mechero sehem. He's a person who is very, very hot-headed. And what happened was the znosit shitim. That's something that Shimon stands for. And he was cursed by Yaakovinu as well. God was a warrior. He used to trof zroa af kadkod, tear off the arms and the head with one blow. Clearly, he's somebody who had that. So that's the connection between these three shvatim and why specifically Specifically, they were in the south. The Abarbanel adds that the south is the most kosher direction after the east, because when the sun rises in the east, it goes to the south and then sets in the west. Super interesting. But it does go in the south, but only in the northern hemisphere above the equator. If you're in the under, the, you're in south of the equator, then obviously the sun goes in the north. 
right? It would go in the north. It goes the opposite direction. Still rises in the east, sets in the west. I know that's crazy, but it goes in the north. That is one of the ways to tell if you're above the equator or not, okay? There are others. There are others, like by checking Google Maps or something, but this is one of them. Yeah. So I looked it up. It's 87% above the... 87%? Yeah. I don't believe it. I think it's got to be more than that. Like, I, maybe, maybe. Well, I don't know. Not so many. India and China right there is half the world. There's like, there's still like 97% of 8 billion. That's a lot of people. It's just not crazy. I don't know. It's probably true. 87%. 87%. But you Googled it. I don't trust Google. I only trust my own head and that's it. So there's nothing you can do. But either way, that is that, everybody. And finally, the Rabbeinu Bechai says, because Reuven was known as the Balchuva, his Degel represented the camps of Michoel, Kochavi, obviously we don't say the last part of that, and Padi. Those names we don't give, so I'm not going to say the whole thing. The right side of the Shekhinah and the Kiseh, the level of Chesed and Rachman, because that's what Reuven, Shimon, and God needed. Being so hot-headed, you know, so to speak, being those people, they needed this more than anything else. Shlomo, you had a question before, but you're really far back there, so I can't really hear you. Um, so by, by the Hustle, by Reuven, by Shema Yisrael, yeah. Correct. The wording might have been, and I don't remember the exact wording, and if it's not in this Gemara, then it might be in a Medrash. Shema yesh b'chem chet. I don't remember if it's right there, but I think that's the wording that I'm referring to. Okay, so if you can, if you don't see it there in the in the Gemara Pesachim, it's somewhere else. But that that deals with another drasha altogether. Because it's Shema yesh b'chem chet, because none of you have a ches or a tes in your name. And because they didn't have that, they didn't have the kufr, the tzadi in their names either. They didn't get the kates of Mashiach. They weren't allowed to get it. There's something to do with that. I think the wording is shami yish That That's what I'm dealing with. Okay, that, That's the idea that I'm going with. Now, the Chassam Sofer asked the question. I, I, I will tell you honestly. I don't know if this is a good question. Maybe it is, and I'm not getting it, but I'm not positive this is a solid question. He asked, in Yuma Nun Testament Aleph, he asked why Reuben was placed second instead of last. Because we know first is the first is the best. Not first is the worst. First is the best. And last is the second best. Achron, Achron, Chaviv. They're the ones who are beloved. So why not put Reuben, if they're the second best, why not put them last? That was the Chassam Sofer's question. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not positive. It has something to do with that Gemara over there. So I'm sort of paraphrasing, and that's never a good thing to do when it comes to stuff like this. But he says the following. He says, Yehuda had to lead his king. The second to best should be the last ones, and that would be this Degel. And he answers, although someone going around the camp would go from east to south to west to north, I don't know why that's true, right? When turning the right facing outward, I guess that's true. But if you look at a camp, and if you would go to the right, if you're going to the east, then you'd go north, west, south. I guess it's right from their perspective, and you're going to the right that way. I don't know why it would be that way, but the Chassam Sofer says you would normally go, right, east to south to west to north. And he says, Mikol makom, seder adagolam ha'omdim misudarum lefanenu kach sidrum, mizrach tzafon marav darum. I don't know what he means by that. I, I mamish have no idea. So Reuven was the was the Achron Chaviv. Because he was the Achron Chaviv because you would go Mizrach Tzafon Mariv Darum. So south would be last. I have no idea what he means. Does he mean that they were traveling that way? I'm sorry? Yeah, whether they were traveling in which way? I'm not sure. I mamish have no idea. Again, if you face a camp and we always say, right, you turn to the right. Anytime you turn, you go to the right. So you would. You would go east 
to north to west to south. So that's last. But he says normally you would go from east to south to west to north. I don't know why you would normally do that. I'm not sure what he's talking about. I, I really don't know. It's there. If anybody wants to look up, it's a Chassam Sofer, Alashas, and Yuma New Testament Alash. East, don't you, you make a right, you go to the south. You go to the, not, uh, no. If I'm facing, if I'm, you're right, I'm not facing the east. I'm in the east, and I'm looking at the east part of the camp. You know what I'm saying? I'm facing west, yeah. Because that's what I think I would be doing, then I go around that way. But I don't even know why I would do that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I have absolutely, I would go counterclockwise as opposed to clockwise? Why? I, I don't understand. I really don't understand what he's talking about. I, I wanted to quote it because there, Malbim talks about this as well, but he's dealing with something else. He's dealing with Dunn always went second. That's what the Malbim says, but I don't know why the Malbim says that. Like, I have to look this up and I couldn't find the original Malbim that said that he went second because I have to find it. So if anybody knows what that means, what the Samsofer means or what the Malbim means, I just didn't do a deep dive into it. Ellie, what were you going to ask? Okay, so let's go, guys. Ephraim's flag. Now we got the third. It was made of silk as well, and the color of the next three stones, right, with their names on it, Ephraim, Menasha, and Binyamin, right? And what he says is the words, Va'anan Hashem Aleim Biyom Binasaminamachana. The cloud of Hashem was on them when they camped from the Machna itself. Now, I think that the reason why that Pusik was on there is because Ephraim, Menashe, and Binyamin, not necessarily Menashe, but they were the ones who had the Mishkan and the Besamekdash. I'm not sure that's true, but Ephraim had the Mishkan in Shiloh for over 300 years. And the Besamekdash, even though some of the Besamekdash was in Yehuda's territory, the main parts of the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim was in Binyamin's territory. That Binyamin had a little tail that came out that allowed him to have those sections. So I think that's Anan Hashem Alem Biyom Benelsen because they were the ones who were able to be the Ushpezichne, the innkeepers for the Shechina itself. Now the Otsur Plosa Torah suggests that the reason their flag had a child on it is because the Egyptians used to force women and children to help the men make the bricks. One time, a young girl whose name was Rachel, a granddaughter of Shuselach, the son of Ephraim, right, was working in the mud with her husband when she had a miscarriage due to the hard labor that she was undergoing, and that child was mixed in with the mud and became one of the bricks. She cried out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Malachim brought that mud up to the Kisei HaKavu to remind, I'm using air quotes here, remind Hashem of the pain Klaus was going through, and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Moshe Rabbeinu to the people, it was because of that brick, that brick that was made from that child. Clearly, the Geula from Mitzrayim was started by a child of Shevet Ephraim, and that's why Izdegel showed that picture, a child itself. It is weird. It is weird. Just like the Ayol of the previous one from Targum Yonasem and Uziel, this is a weird one, that a child is on Ephraim. Why he would have had a child is a very, very strange thing altogether. If anything, Ruvain should have a child because he would have had the Mandrakes, which means he would have had a kid on it. That's what I would have told you, right? And that would be the easy thing to put on there. I'm not sure exactly why it was like that way. The Medrash Rab over here says that Ephraim had a picture of a bull on his degel because Bechor Shoro Haderlo. Remember, we just said up above that it would have been a bull, except, says the Parish Jonas, and we didn't want to remind you of the Egel Azov. Why that's okay over here, I'm not sure exactly. Rabbeinu Ephraim and Shach say the exact same thing as the Medrash Rabbah. In the Sefer Apliya, it says he's, there was a picture of a fish because the Yidgu Larov Bekereva Oretz, which we say by Ephraim and Menashe's Bracha, which is super interesting. So I've got three different explanations. Either it was a child because of the child of the brick, right? Or it was a bull because Bechor Shoro Hadar Lo for Ephraim, or for Yosef 
I should say, right? Or a fish, because v'yid gularov v'kerav that they should become like fish, and very many over here. Has anybody heard that before, that it was a fish? You ever heard that before? I found it for the first time, the Otsar Palazzo Torah this year. He quotes, again, I've never heard of this, the Sefer Haplia. Oh, I think I saw it in there. You know what? I might have seen it somewhere else. It might not have been in there. I think I might have found it in somewhere else. Okay, either way, regardless, right? That was that. And that's a super interesting thing. As a side note, does anybody have that Rabbi Chait Haggadah? You know, with the dark pictures of what was happening at the time? It's like a little dark blue, and it's like big, and it's uh, Haggadah Show Pasta. What? Sort of. Like actual, you know, whatever. It's Rabbi Chait. It's called the Chait Haggadah. He, beautiful pictures, like artwork almost. And he puts in all the midrashim into there. There is one picture in there which is heart-rending. When I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, of this woman, of the daughter of Shuselach, the granddaughter of Shuselach named Rachel, who has her arms up in the air while, you know, waist down in mud after she obviously had her miscarriage. Right? It's a, it's, it's a horrifying picture. Horrifying picture. But obviously that was the whole point of it. Anyway, they were in the West, according to the Rabbi Ophraim, because the Shechina is in the West, and Yosef's Shevet held the Mishkan for a long time, and the Shechina of the Besa Mikdash was in Binyamin's Shevet for a long time. They were both close to the Shechina. They wanted to be with the Shechina. That's where they were. So that makes sense why they'd be in the West, where the Shechina is. Why is the Shechina in the West? Why do we call Eretz Saul Marava? It's a great question. It's a great question. It's not for right now, but that's the basic idea behind it. The Rabbin of Achaya says, because Yeruvam ben Nevat came from his Shevet, from Shevet Ephraim, they needed a refuah because of the damage he put into the world. And therefore, representing them in the Malachim was Refuel, Refuel to heal them, Zavdi, and again at the end of it is El, and Achazi. And again, at the end of it would be kale, right? Aleph, Lamed, etc. Each one of them right over there. So interesting, right? Again, I'm not saying that I, I you know, like I have any, I so would have assumed that Raphael would be for the Bali Tshuva, Ruven, Shimon, and Gud, and that you'd have by Ephraim, you'd have Michoel, who has the Shechina by him. I'm so confused as to what the connection, we're missing something here. I hope everybody understands what I'm saying. I'm not arguing the Rabbin of Achai. I'm not that big of a fool, right? But I'm just saying, if it was me, I would have said something else entirely, which tells me that I'm missing something big here. I'm just missing something that's so obvious. The Panim Yafos points out, and this is something that everybody points out. I found this question in six different Sfarim, but the only answer I'm going to give you is from the Panam Yafos, not flawed. There are other answers given, but I like this one the best. He points out that by this Dego, the direction is mentioned before the word Tzivo Sum. That mentions their direction and it says Litzivo Sum. Well, by all the other Shvatim, it's Litzivo Sum and then it gives the direction. It, it's possible that these three Shvatim preferred to be in the West because they davened for the Shechina to dwell by them. And they were answered, the Mishkan and the Beis etc. By the others, it was them listening to Hashem where to go and what to do. They did not make a decision. They accepted the direction that Hashem gave to them. By these three, it was that they davened for a certain direction and HaKadosh Baruch was maskim to that and gave them the West, which is super interesting to understand. They say that the 12 Shvatim that went around the beer of Yaakov Avinu, when Yaakov was being brought to be buried in Eretz Yisrael, right, that those three, that there was Yehudi Yisachar Zvulun on that side, there was Reuven, Shimon, Gadher, Ephraim, and Asher, and Binyamin. Yosef did not carry, he was a king, and Levi wouldn't carry because he was Levi, right, as Don, Naphtali, and Usher all the way up on top in the north, and that's how they carried it, which is super interesting to go through. Now, our last one, guys, is Dunn's flag. Dunn's flag was still kept, the colors of the rows of stones, of the last rows of stones, right, with their names on it. Dunn, Naphtali, and Usher. Now, in the middle, 
It said, Uvenucho Yomar, as everybody rests, they say, Shuvo Hashem, Rivavos Alpha Yisrael. Return to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all the many myriads of B'nai Yisrael. And on it was a picture of a dangerous snake. Now, Rabbeinu B'chai and the Medjrabba say the exact same thing, that it was a dangerous snake. However, Ibn Ezra, Ramban, and the Chizkuni all say that the picture of Dun was an eagle. As a timeout, I don't know if they're arguing about Dun's specific flag or the flag of the Degel of Machina Dun. It could be it's different. Maybe some of them are talking about the Degel flag and that was in a snake and others are talking about Dun's individual flag and that was a, a, an eagle or vice versa. I don't know. I can't tell if they're like mixing and mashing and whatever it is or it's specific that some of them are arguing over here and that's that. If they're correct, by the way, then you do have the four sides of the Kisya Kavod. A lion for you Yehuda, a person for Ephraim, if it is a person, an eagle, if it was a baby by the other one, whatever, an eagle right over here, and a bull for Ephraim, right? It's possible it's over there, you'll have that, right? And if it's vice versa, nonetheless, you have the four faces of the Chayos HaKodesh that are mentioned by the Kisya Kavod and Yecheskel, and that's not random. That's not random. That Parshas Bamidbar always comes before Shavuos, and the Haftorah on on Shavuos on the first night, which no one ever knows because you're all sleeping during it, is always about the Kisei Kavod and the four, the Chayos HaKodesh that are going to and fro. This is an amazing thing and I don't know what the connection is, but either way that's there. Now Tsiyuni brings down, this is the only one that says it directly. He says, it was a snake with wings of an eagle. And I would assume if you take a snake and you put wings on it, what does that look like? It's a dragon, right? It's a dragon. Maybe that represented Shevet Dun being the Ma'asef, right? The judges that brought peace to other people. They could make peace between a snake and an eagle. And therefore, they certainly could do so through Al-Qal Yisrael. And it could even be, a judge has to sometimes punish like a snake. And sometimes they have to be above everyone else. And that's an eagle. Soaring above, not worrying about what the other people say or do, etc. The Abarbanel Mamish calls it a dragon. He doesn't mince words. He says, yeah, the picture on the flag was clearly a dragon. Right? No problem with it whatsoever. We definitely know that there were pictures of dragons that are mentioned in the Gemara. In Avodah Daf Mem Aleph, right? It does mention in the beginning of the parak, right? That there are such things as dragons. I don't know if there actually existed, but regardless that they had a picture of a dragon that was considered a Vodazara, that if you have a statue of a dragon or a picture of a dragon, that's considered a Vodazara. Depends on how you learn that. Whatever it is. Regardless, the Abarbanel says it without a question straight out. Now, he does say that later on we know that Dun gets in trouble because of Pesel Micha. Those who know Shoftim at the end of Shoftim really well know that Micha created an idol, had Yonas and Ben Gershom Ben Menashe, possibly Moshe Rabbeinu's grand son, serving as the Kohen for it. He was a lady, but he served as a Kohen for it. And that eventually when Dun moved up to take over Laish, they were down southwest, sort of near the Gaza Strip, not exactly near the Gaza Strip. When they didn't have enough land, they went all the way northeast, right? Northeast to what we would probably call Lebanon, possibly Syria. They moved up to, to Laish. And that's why, by the way, if you look at maps, some of them will have Dun southwest. Some of them will have Dun northeast. They're both. They're both. There's no question. Dun was down here and up there. And when they moved, they took Pesel Micha. They also had one of the Egleazov that Yeruvam Benevat. One of them was in Base El, and the other one was in Shevet Dun. They had one of the Egleazov. So there's no question they were involved in Avodah It's possible they brought Avodah out of Mitzrayim. Maybe this picture represented that. 
that a dragon is something as we know that is forbidden for a Vodazara purposes, based on a Bryce on Mem Gimel, Daf Mem Gimel. I said Mem Aleph before because that's the Mishnah. This may not have been worshipping, they may not have been worshipping idols yet, but they had the propensity to. They might have done it in the future, and that's hinted to in their Degel itself. Rabbeinu Ephraim says they're in the north, because we have an Yeshaya Mitzafon Tiposeach HaRa'ah. The evil starts from the north. That's where it comes from. They were known for all these terrible things. Usher was with them because the northern wind is a pleasant wind that allows people to relax. I don't think that's a coincidence that people start doing a Vodazara when they get very relaxed and they don't have much else to do. Usher had very, very beautiful children because they were very chilled out with everything they needed. Naphtali was wealthy. Chazal say in Baba Basra, that's the wind Gemara, if anybody knows it, that anyone who wants to dive in for wealth should turn to the north itself. And if you know, if you're facing the east, right? If you turn your body a little bit to the south, right? This is the south, right? Right that way. South, that means you'll have more chachma. If you turn a little bit to the north, you'll have more ashirus. So if a person is trying to daven for something specific, you should daven, again, toward the east with your feet straight, but your body a little bit turned that way or a little bit turned that way for either one. Okay, so that's the north that it's going to be for wealth itself. The Abarbanel says that Don ran this degel. Why Don? Don Naftali and Usher. Why does he get get to be in charge? Why not Naftali? Why not Usher? He says because of his strength and power. He was willing to lead. He wanted to be the person in charge. And this was part of Yaakovina's bracha to him, even though there was only one Shafet that Shofet that came from Shavit Don. Anybody know who was the one Shofet that came from Shavit Don? Shimshon. Yeah. Come on, you all knew that. Shimshon from Shavit Don. There is one other person from Shavit Don who's famous. Does anybody know the other only other person that we know of who's famous. Maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe there's somebody else, but the only one I can think of. Oh, Aliyah ben Samach. Anybody know what he did? He was the helper for? Betzal. To make the Mishkan. Dave, very good. You get one point. Okay, that's good. That's that. Now, the Rabbeinu Bechaya, he says because the sun is darkened in the north and they darken the world in Avodazar. And I assume what he means by darkened in the north is because, again, they didn't have access to the South Pole, but they would have had access to close to the North Pole. And they knew that there was more nighttime during the you know, I guess during the winter, up north by the northern, you know, by, or if you went further up north, I guess that's what it means. These Shvatim needed light. And therefore, the Malachan that represented them was Uriel, also known as Nuriel, right? But Uriel that. Daniel, I don't know, I, I, Daniel is a Malach. And Ramal, and the last part of the name is El. I don't believe anybody's named that way. And that's the left side of the Shekhinah itself. Now, the Oznayim Torah mentions, he speaks about the differences between the flags of the individual Shvatim, as well as the Degel at large, if there were multiple flags, as well as, excuse me, Levi's flag. He then explains that these four Degelim are split up according to the Imahos. Right, which should be obvious, right? Because, think about it, Yehudi Sakhar Zulin is obviously Leah. Ruven Shimon and Gud is Leah. The only reason Gud is thrown in there is because Levi is not a part of it, so they had no choice. Ephraim, Binyamin, and, and Menashe, Ephraim, Menashe, and Binyamin are all Rachel, and Don, Naphtali, and Usher are all from Bila and Zilpah. Gud was thrown in right over there. So he points that out, and he says, right, they got two, Rachel got one, and the other ones, and Gud is the only exception, right? We don't know why, exactly. But we did give a reason that Gud had some shaykhis, some ad- abilities to be like the people that were on the bottom itself. Now, there is a Kliyakr here, and I'm not going to really go into it whatsoever, but the Kliyakr goes into a big idea about this type of thing. He goes into Chazal and Nedarim, Lama Chasim et al, saying the Shekhinah will only rest on people that are Chachamim, Ashirim, wealthy people, Giborim, strong people, and Anavim. And then he applies those four traits 
to the four Degolim. He says, Yehudi, Yisachar, and Zvulin, they were Kedma, right? They were the people who could be considered Chachamim, whether it's Chachamim in how to rule a nation, Chachamim in Torah, Chachamim in how to do business, they were the Chachamim. Ruvain, Shimon, and Gud were the Anavim, the humble people. They knew that they messed up and they worked on themselves. They were Dor, Rome. They knew that they were high and brought themselves down, almost so to speak. Ephraim and Ashim bin Yamin were all powerful people. They were the Giborim. They were the Karne Re'ain Karnov, the rhinoceros or the unicorn. Bechor Shoro Hadr Lo. Bin Yamin is this aviotroph. That's the idea. Don, Usher, and Naphtali were very wealthy, as we just mentioned, and therefore they were Ashirus. So the Kliakar kind of puts together all those things we just said and then applied all four of them to these for the Gullum. It's an amazing idea. I think that this takes care of everything that these Rishonim say over here. Again, I am totally missing something. Because if you would have asked me, put things, things together, and I would have put this together, I would have put it together in a very different fashion. I would have put different Malachim by different ones. I would have put different pictures by different ones. Yehuda and the Aryeh I get. Right? But I would have done so many different things. But clearly there's something here. Clearly there's a message that we're missing over here. I don't know what it is exactly. But clearly there's a message. I wish I understood it fully. But until that point, we get to learn it. And maybe next time we'll be able to get it a little bit clearer. Yeah, Dave, before we how end. The, how does the Levi component fit in? Because Levi is obviously a petrolist Shimon. Mm-hmm. He's a, um, uh, he has a crown himself. And works on himself. And makes himself better. Right? Because of it. Becomes the leaders of Klau Yisrael and teachers because of it. Yes, there's something that he has like Shimon. There's something that he has like Yehuda. Something that he even has like Binyamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh that he wants the Kedusha. Right? And the only one that I don't think he's like is Dun Naftali and Asher because he didn't want the Ashiras. He didn't want that power, you know, in that way. But clearly there's something. He gets power. Yeah, he does get something. He's the one we pay. It is interesting. It is very interesting. So I don't have an answer for that fully. Because they, they don't, but clearly there's something there. Alright, guys, we'll stop 